All right, Psalm 108. I'm going to read the first six verses. The Bible says, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise, even with my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will wake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth, that thy beloved may be delivered, save with thy right hand, and answer me. Tonight, the heart, uh, the fixed heart, is what we're looking at tonight, the fixed heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love, your mercies to us. Thank you for the opportunity and privilege we have to be assembled together. We pray for those that are not with us tonight, the sick and laid aside. We pray that you bring healing, strengthen, and restore them to health and wellness. And I pray that you be with those that are away, watch over and protect them as well. Father, we pray as we look into the word, your word tonight that we'd be encouraged and we'd open our hearts and minds to receive thy truth, that we might be helped and you might be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, many times we use this word fix or fixing to mean that we're going to repair something. Um, you know, our heart does need fixed. Our heart does need repair. But that's really not the meaning here in this passage. You know, of course, the Bible declares it very plainly that we, we need, our heart needs fixed, uh, Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Romans chapter 3 gives us the four Roman nuns. There's none righteous. There's, there's, none, there's, there's none good. There's um, none that seeketh after God. And there's, what's the fourth one? There's four. None that understandeth. So there you have four. You know, if somebody asks you about the four Roman nuns. That's the four Roman nuns. They have nothing to do with the Church of Rome. But anyway, um, you know, the Bible bears it out that we need fixed. We we have a problem, a sin problem, and of course, man's actions declare that as well. Just look at the news, watch the news, and you're going to see that that man has a real problem with his sin nature. Uh, with sin, and uh, because of, he's a sinner by nature and a sinner by choice. But anyway, so we think about this word fixed. When it says, oh God, my heart is fixed, that word fixed here means firmly established, settled, set up. That's the idea here. So the question we could ask yourself is, what is your heart set on? Or what is it fixed on? And he says, O oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. And he, of course, he goes on verse 3, he says, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and will sing praise unto thee among the nations. You know, if our heart is fixed on God and on the goodness of God, consistently, it'll change the way we think. It'll change the way we act. If our heart is set on the Lord. And, and so the psalmist said, you know, and you know, realistically speaking, we could say, well, David had his share of problems. He did. He always came back to God. That's why he was called a man after God's own heart. He, all, he never stayed in sin. He always came back to God. And, and, and you know, the times where he was in trouble with the Lord were the exceptions, not the rule. You could say that about his life. 
So he says, oh God, my heart is fixed. I don't know, this, is, this says it's a psalm of David. My, my Bible says that. I don't know what p- time period in his life this may have been written. But he says, my heart is established. My heart is set on the Lord. So, and he gives, we can see a few characteristics of a fixed heart. Uh, first of all, it's confident. Verse 1 says, oh God, my heart is fixed. In other words, it's, it's set on thee. And a fixed heart is a constant heart. It's one that's consistent. It's not in a constant state of change. You know, the world and, the, and stuff that goes on around us is in a constant state of change. We face new trials every day. Sometimes it's the same old trials over and over again. But many times it's new ones. Different faces. You know, many times trials come through people that we work with. And, or circumstances, things that happen in life, you know, the car breaks down or the, or the tire comes off. You know, we were driving down the road over here at, over here at um, Jones, Chapel, or Jones Dairy Road one day out on visitation in, in a car. It was Ford Explorer. I didn't know something wrong with those Fords anyway. But a Ford Explorer, you know, was coming down the road toward us and the tire came off on the Ford Explorer and it came right down our lane and hit the center of our, we had a Chevy Caprice station wagon back then. And it, it kind of wrinkled the hood and it sent that tire, busted tire, but sent it flying out through the field. Uh, you know, things like that happen in life. Trials and tests. The world's in a constant state of change. But we don't have to be. If our heart is fixed on God, God doesn't change. You know, if we are if we are consumed with the things of the world, we're gonna be we're gonna be emotionally continually changing emotionally. And that's not a good thing. Uh, and so uh, we need to have a heart that's fixed on the Lord. We need to be, have our heart confident, have our confidence in the Lord, not in the things of this world. If our confidence is in the Lord, again, the things of this world will not shake us. <coughs> Excuse me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We're to trust in him. We're to put our dependence upon him. Uh, we're to have our faith and confidence in him. Look at Psalm 16. Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. Psalm 16, verse 8 through 11. The Bible says there, I have set the Lord, and that's kind of the same idea, fixed my heart. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be what? Moved. In other words, I'm not going to be changed. We need to have God set before us, before our face. We need to be consistently looking to him. And if we, are, if we keep our focus, keep our focus on him, it will keep us from changing. You know, Ephesians 4 talks about, you know, he gave, some past, he gave pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying the, for the body of Christ, that we be no more like children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. You know, the problem with some people is, they, they listen to this guy over here, and then they listen to this guy over here, and then they listen to this guy over here, and they listen to this guy over here, and they don't get the same message all four times. God's designed his people to get into church 
and sit under the consistent teaching of the word of God, have it set before them, and so it's set right before them so they can set their heart on it and not be moved. Not be moved. He says, I set the Lord at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also so rests in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. This is a reference to Christ here. Neither wilt thou suffer the Holy One to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. God shows to us direction for life as we set him before us. If he, if he is our confidence, he's the one that we look to for direction. He's our confidence. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence the fullness of joy. Thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So we need to rest in the Lord. Trust in him. Have our confidence needs to be in the Lord. Not on the things that are going on around us. The things that are going on around us are going to continue to go on around us. Some of it we can change and some of it we can't. And some of it we just have to let go. We have to let it go. You know, we can, we can get, we had a saying, you know, get all hot and bothered, upset and angry. You know, that was a phrase, that's the terminology we used in Pennsylvania. I don't know if you ever heard that or not. But all hot and bothered about what's going on in the world, but... The reality is, there ain't a whole lot you're going to do about it. It's going to run its course. Except, you be faithful where you are, and do what you can in your little sphere of service. That's our responsibility. That's our responsibility, where we live. Now, of course, we can, we can vote and, you know, and, and try to make change that way, but we are not going to change the world by getting uh, upset and angry about it. No, our confidence needs to be in the Lord. God said these things would come to pass. So, uh, a fixed heart is one that's confident in the Lord. Secondly, a fixed heart is a, is a happy or a glad heart. Uh, verse 1 again says, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Verse 3, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. So, he will sing. Uh, he will he will rejoice in the Lord. You know we need to be rejoicing in the Lord, thanking, being thankful uh, to the Lord uh, for what He has done. Uh, Psalm twenty eight and verse seven. Psalm twenty eight and verse seven. The Bible says, "The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him, and I am helped." Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. Do you go back today with a song in your heart? It should be a song that's seen. You know, Psalm 40 talks about, He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto God, many shall see it, and fear, and trust. The Lord. If you have a song in your heart, you're most likely not grumbling or complaining or murmuring. You know, we need to be filled with praise to the Lord. Uh, chapter 30, 
2, verse 10 says, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth, here's our confidence in the Lord, trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous. Shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, chapter 33, O ye righteous, for praise is comely. That means it's fitting, it's proper for the upright. If you've been made upright by God, made righteous, the idea here is made righteous, it is, praise is comely, it's fitting for you. you know, of all people in the world, we all have something to, to praise the Lord for. We have something to be thankful for. Uh, and we ought to be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, 5.18, yeah. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's God's will that we be thankful. Now, it's something we have to learn. Paul said in Philippians 4.11, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now, if you read the testimony of Paul's life in the book of Acts, I can assure you as I that there were times that I thought, how in the world could he be content? He said he learned it. Learning takes work. It takes effort. Paul wasn't always a contented man. In fact, Acts 9 verse 1 tells us he was a man that was breathing out threatenings. He was not a nice guy. He wasn't somebody you wanted to be around. Uh, he was a, an angry and ill-willed, ill-tempered guy. And so he said, I have learned in what sort of state I am. He was used to getting his own way, what he wanted, with authority from the chief priests. And all of a sudden, the government authorities are no longer going to back him. Now he has to have confidence in the Lord. And now he has to learn. He's commanded to learn to be content. We're not to be murmurers and complainers. See, if our heart is fixed on the Lord, again, if our focus is the Lord, if He's our, the one, our expectation is from Him and not from people, if we're not focused on people, we're focused on the Lord, what people do will not affect us that much as far as our attitudes or outlook on life. Because God is our satisfaction. He's our confidence. So, we needed to be fixed on the Lord. Third thing, a, a characteristic of a fixed heart, is a discerning heart. Notice verse 2. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will wake early. The word awake here has the idea of discernment, um, you know, to wake up, you know, you ever, hear, you ever use that phrase, you know, you need to wake up and smell the coffee, you ever, or smell the roses, you know, sometimes, you know, you think about what you're doing, or, you know, uh, pay attention to what's going on here, well, that's kind of the idea here, uh, <coughs> I myself will wake early, wake early, so a discerning heart, we need to have discernment, 
we have an adversary. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, that's, the idea here is being awake, being alert, because you have an adversary, the devil, who goeth about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resists steadfast in the faith? So we can resist him in the faith if we're trusting and have our confidence in the Lord. But we do have an adversary that wants to undo us. He wants to get us, our eyes, off the Lord and on our circumstances and cause us and, and tempt us to complain and murmur and, and gripe and all those things instead of having our confidence in the Lord. So we need to be discerning. You know, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 26, 41 in the garden, he told them to, uh, to watch and pray. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Beware of the weakness of your flesh. We have, our flesh is weak. And so we need to be aware of that. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, Paul told those at Corinth, Awake to righteousness and sin not. Wake to righteousness. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about discernment, and really it's the idea of judging you're, you're, or examining everything. And as Christians, as God's people, we ought to examine everything. Proverbs 21.15 says, It is joy to the just to do judgment. The idea here is you're making judgments about things in your life and in life around you in general. Uh, so it's joy to the just to do judgment, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. In John chapter 7, Jesus says, Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And be careful about judging by appearance, because you may misjudge. It's very easy to misjudge when you're judging by appearance. Titus chapter 2 tells every age group, aged men, aged women, young women, young men, to be sober-minded. That is to put a moderate estimate upon yourself and what you think about yourself, you think soberly or seriously, and to curb your passions. So we're to be of a sound mind, a sober mind. Think seriously. Uh. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, The end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And that's one of those being verbs we heard about there the other week. Those being verbs, it's continual action. You have to continually watching, being sober. Look, and then look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and verse, uh, start in verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, we are saved, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So here you are, you're judging. You're, you're comparing this spiritual thing with this spiritual thing, and you're going to make a judgment. That's, that's discerning, discernment. Natural man, verse 14, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So we need, to, we need to have the Spirit of God. We need to know Christ, our Lord and Savior, have the Spirit of God dwelling in us to direct our judgment according to the Scriptures. Notice verse 15. But he that is spiritual judgeth all 
things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. A spiritual person judges everything in his life. He examines everything, and it starts with himself. That's where it needs to start, with ourselves. In fact, you're not qualified to examine or judge anyone until you first judged yourself. Matthew chapter 7. That's what Matthew 7 is all about. It's not saying that we should not judge. It's saying we need to judge ourselves before we start judging others. You know, remind you about the Pharisees that brought the woman caught in adultery to Jesus, and they said, Moses in the law commanded that we stone her. What do you say? And so he kneels down on the ground and begins to write in the dirt. I'm curious as to what he wrote in the dirt. Maybe one of those questions I'm going to ask when I see the Lord face to face. But what he, I don't know what he wrote in the dirt. Maybe he had nothing to pertain, pertaining to the situation. I don't know. And so they, they pressed the situation, and he stood up and he said, Okay, either without sin cast the first stone. So you that are without sin, are not guilty of sin, you stone her for sinning. You throw the first stone. See, they were guilty of sin also. Judge not, Matthew 7, 1, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye? Behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So, he's not saying here we're not make judgments. But we're not to be hypocritical in our judgment. You know, a, a spiritual person, again, a spiritual person, he that is spiritual, judgeth all things. He examines everything in life. Is it right? Is this wrong? Shall I do this or not do this? Or should I do this? He's going to judge. You, you make judgment every day. What you're going to eat, what you're going to put on, where you're going to go. All those are judgments. And there are places that say, well, I'm not going there. And I'm not putting that on. You know, you ladies go to the go to the, the, the clothing store and you say, I wouldn't wear that for nothing, you know. You're making a judgment. And I've looked at many things in the store and said, I wouldn't be caught dead in that, you know. Um, I see some guys on the street and I think, think the same thing. Uh, you know, we make judgments about everything in life. And a spiritual person judges all things. And it starts with himself. We need to start with ourselves. You know, the problem with the Pharisees, they wanted to condemn everyone else, but they didn't want to be examined themselves. They didn't want to admit that they were sinners and needed a Savior. The publican judged himself. He condemned himself. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Pharisee said, 
Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this publican over here. All he did was point fingers. He never pointed back. So, you know, a fixed heart is one that's discerning. Discerning. Uh, It's also fearless. Verse 3. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. Now, when he's saying about singing among his people, you know, you could say, well, that be the, his own people, Israel. But then he says, I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. In other words, I'm going to broadcast your name. I'm not in fear of people. Uh, you know, we need and we need to have a and this is this goes back to having confidence in the Lord and, and not being afraid. Uh, Proverbs chapter three and verse twenty six says this: For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Uh, Proverbs twenty eight one says that the. Uh, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Uh, Psalm 27 was the passage I was going to go to. Psalm 27, verses 1 through 3 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If God is my confidence, if he's my strength, who should I fear? Is there any stronger than the Lord? We are more than conquerors through him, Paul said in Romans 8. He goes on, When the wicked, even mine enemies, and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. You know, we think about a host camping against me, and we think about Elisha and his servant, you know, they're in, um, I think it was in uh, <coughs> Dothan, or Dothan, and uh, the, the Syrian army uh, camped around him at night to, to capture him in the morning because... He was telling the, the king of Israel where the Syrians were going to camp. So they decided to just kidnap him. Servant goes out in the morning and he sees the mountain filled with the Syrian army. And Elisha says, and he says, Alas, master, what shall we do? And Elisha says, There's more that be with us than there be with them. And Lord opened his eyes. And he saw the mountain filled with chariots and swords, flaming chariots. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear any blinded him. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. What was his confidence? The Lord is the light, my light and my salvation. He gives me direction. He gives me wisdom. He lights my path. And he's my deliverer. That word salvation really means deliverance. He's my deliverance. And so, we need not fear. Proverbs 21.31 says this, the, Lord, the horse is prepared for battle, but safety is of the Lord. Just because you have a bigger army does not mean you are going to win the war. The horse is prepared for battle, but safety is of the Lord. 
So if the Lord is on my side, of whom shall I be afraid? You know, in Acts chapter 1, the disciples became very bold. They were fearless. Why? Because they were filled with power of the Holy Ghost. And they were fearless in the face of the enemy, in the face of those who had just put their, their Savior to death. They were fearless. A fixed heart is also a thankful heart. Verse 4, For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. Mercy is great. I mentioned this a little bit before. We need to be thankful. In everything, give thanks. You know, Paul wrote that. Even for the trials of life. You know, even in trials, there's always a ribbon of good that comes. If we're willing to learn from our trials. But the key is we have to be willing to learn. We have to be willing to learn. We could, fo- we could focus on the, the conflicts of life or we could focus on the blessings of life. Which are we going to do? No, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God. Do you know it's God's will to give thanks for your trials? That's not, that's not easy to do. It's, it's easy after, after they're over. It's not so hard after they're over many times. But when you're going through them, it's not easy. That's why James says to count it all joy when you fall in the diverse temptation, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. If you let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect in entire wanting or lacking nothing. You see, again, even in trials, we are given more than we deserve. That's what mercy is. God is still merciful to us. If we, if we were without mercy, we'd be hell right now. It's only because God withholds what we deserve that we have opportunity to live and know Him as our Lord and Savior. So we need to be thankful. And then lastly... We need to have a heart that honors the Lord. Verse 5 says this, Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth, that thy beloved may be delivered, save with thy right hand, and answer me. So, he says, Be thou exalted. Your know, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. You know, in every situation we find in life, if we need to keep our heart set on the Lord, our mind focused on the Lord, and seek to honor the Lord, even in the trials, 
the difficulties. See, the world, the world really doesn't notice when you do well when everything's going good. What they notice is when you endure the hardships of life with a good attitude, without losing control of your emotions. I'm not saying you don't have emotions. There's nothing wrong with having emotions, but do they control you? That's the thing. You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, in that situation, I lost my testimony. Well, shame on you. Shame on me. Because when when, what the world, when the world really takes notice of God's people is when they endure the hardships and the, 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 the misfortunes or the discrimination you know, at work or, or, or you know, things that you are denied because you have a, a faith in God and, and there are things you will not do along with the world and so you suffer for it and you suffer it with a good attitude. I'm not saying you should not ever challenge Paul challenged some of his accusers, but we have to do it with the right attitude. We need to do it with the right attitude. That's when the world takes notice. In fact, look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, uh, verse 40. If a man, any man will sue thee at law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee from him that would borrow of thee, turn not away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thine enemy, and hate, here it is, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despite for use you and persecute you. And that's different than the world's philosophy. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans or the world the same. The world loves its own. We're not of the world. But we're still to love those in the world. Treat them right even if they don't treat us right. Two wrongs don't make a right. We're to treat them right, even if they do not treat us right. And we're to endure the trials of life and to suffer uh, honorably. That's when the world takes notice. Something different about that guy. Something different about that lady. And, you know, we need wisdom dealing with the world. I was reading in John T. Christian's Baptist history book. 
back in, I think it's 16 or 1600s in England, Charles V. When was Charles V, you historians? Anyway, Charles V always had money problems. And there was this Baptist preacher who was a ship merchant and quite wealthy. And Charles came to him on several occasions asking for money. One time he asked for 40,000 pounds. He asked to borrow it. And this Baptist preacher, I think his name was Keach, Benjamin Keach, I think. Anyway, he said, I don't have that amount of money that I can give, that I can lend to you, but I'll give you 10,000 pounds. And this man was very well respected in his dealings with the king, and not just king. He knew that if Charles borrowed 40,000 pounds, he'd never see the 40,000 pounds. But he had 10,000. If he gave him 10,000 pounds, he wouldn't be asked or forced to give him 40,000 pounds. Sometimes you have to have wisdom in dealing with the world. He still retained the favor of the king, and yet did not give in to what his he wanted or would have demanded because he was very unscrupulous. So anyway, but my point is, we need to honor the Lord. We need to exalt the Lord. We need to do all to the glory of God. Paul said in Galatians 6.14, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 9.16, he says, Though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And so, you know, he gloried in his infirmities. So we need to glory in the Lord. We need to exalt him. Our life should be set, fixed on him. And and endeavor to glorify him in everything that we do and say. That our testimony might be pleasing to him and a challenge to the world of their need of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. We thank you for the truth of thy word and how it challenges us and encourages us. And I pray that you'd help us as your people to be salt and light. Help us to have a good spirit, good attitudes, to set our heart, fix it on you, and uh, not be tossed to and fro with the trials and problems we face in life. So, Lord, just help us. Thank you again for your mercies. We pray in Jesus' name.